Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the Hunger Games film series, all four movies. You don't have to have seen the films to enjoy the podcast, but if you do go ahead and listen without having seen them, just be aware that we talk about the plot and it'll be spoiled for you. Enjoy. When the moon hits your eye like a bigger pizza pie, that's amore. When the world seems to shine like you've had too much wine, that's amore. Big boys don't cry. <laughs> that's good. I like that. I was going to go completely off piece and go. Are you hungry? Are you hungry for games? It's <laughs> very bad. Yes, I I'm am. Sorry. Oh, I love it. You didn't whistle though. How's your whistling skills? I was trying to do it quietly. Not bad. Not bad. I was trying to do it quietly then, and it it, it came out yeah. very poorly. Um, just in case it it's impossible to whistle quietly without making it just overly yeah, breathy, like you're playing yeah. the panpipes or the didgeridoo. Like I'm singing for a trip hop band in the mid nineties. Yeah. Um, so we watched. We should probably crack on because we have four movies. Yes. Yeah. Four whole four films. films to get through today. Not not just whole films. Long ass films. As really well. long films. Ridiculously long films. Um, we watched The Hunger Games and The Hunger Games Two and The Hunger Games Three and The Hunger Games Four. Hunger Games 4. The the most hungry of all the games. Yeah. Yeah, it gets progressively more hungry with each one. Like, the later it gets on the Food Channel when you're watching Guy Fieri. Yeah, exactly. Is The first episode of, of Diners and then progressively more and more episodes until you're just like, you know what, I'm just going to order a giant pizza. That's what I need yep. to do right now. Which we actually did tonight. Oh, did you? First time we've ordered anything, obviously, since the, the coronavirus. And um, we it was fine. It was nice. And if I die tomorrow, you can have my things. <laughs> Thank you. I will especially treasure your child. Yeah, you can have him. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so have you watched The Hunger Games before this? Yes. I had seen them all before, actually. Although, with the last two... I, my memories of them was were quite hazy, but I remember them not being good, and maybe I might have been sort of in and out of the room for bits of it. Right. But the yeah. first two I paid attention to. The first two we went to see in the cinema, and then the next two I think we did not, and I can't remember why. Probably we were probably busy. Sure, sure. But when the first one came out, we were quite excited about it. I can't remember. I think my wife had read the books. Or at least one or two of them around the same time, if not before um, the film came out. And we, yeah, we went to see the first one and we thought it was quite good. It was an enjoyable cinematic experience. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, Had you seen them before? I had watched the first two before. I had not watched the others. Um, Right. Probably the way to go. And I haven't read the books, but I do enjoy the storyline of murder tv show 
Yeah, that, or, that's a thing we can all agree or on. Or murder games. Murder games is a it's a subgenre of story that I really enjoy. Um, they should have just called it the murder games. They should have called it the murder games. But that's that actually sounds more like a a generic adult crime novel, doesn't it? <laughs> the one where they, Det- they've got the massive posters up at Waterloo Station, and it's claiming to be like like no other thriller you've ever read before when it's exactly the same as all of them because they're all exactly the same. It's Detective Bob Nancy, and he's up against the most vicious serial killer he's ever met. This one goes by the name The Murderer. <laughs> and his thing is that he turns it into a game. Yep, and only, Never heard that only Detective Nancy has the right level of... Being a detective who doesn't play by the rules to be able to break the rules of the murder games. Because the murderer's thing, right? He comes into your house, he sits you down and says, let's play a game of noughts and crosses, right? And he's like, well, if you lose, I'm going to murder you. And he always wins. But Detective Bob Nancy, he just rips up the bit of paper and murders him right back. How do you like that, murderer? Yeah, exactly. Take that. It's ironic, isn't it? Murdered. Yeah. When you're a murderer. And now they're doing a season about that on all the murder podcasts. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so I like this kind of story. And straight off the bat, Hunger Games has one obviously glaring flaw. And it hit, the hunger. And it, hunger. Um, and it hinders the storytelling and the the impact of its themes from the word go, which is you cannot tell a story about people murdering other people for the entertainment of the masses and make it sanitized and nonviolent. Yeah, and there there are bits of violence in it, aren't there? In in the films, yeah, it's sort of strategic points. But you're right that it. It's it's fair to describe it as sanitized. Yeah, and and you compare it to the most successful films which tell the same story. And you've got things like um obviously Battle Royale, you've got yeah. The Running Man, Incredible film. you've got Series 7 The Contenders, and all of them th- they recognize that if you want a sane audience to understand the horror of what is going on, and throw it through that satirical angle, which the best of these kind of stories do, you need to show violence. Whereas this, obviously, it comes from a book series which is aimed at kids or young adults. Um, in the books... Teenagers. In, in the books, I understand that it is a bit more graphic in its detail and there's more weird shit that goes on. Um, but the movies are very, very sanitised. You have someone being killed by a landmine and it's really not it, it's not as terrifying as standing on a landmine should be because obviously they wanted to get that pg-13 rating which means you can't show someone being blown up by a landmine no you can just show it going pop and then turning into a pink cloud of snuggles yep exactly exactly and so and so it does feel quite sanitized which is a shame because i think there is there's some interesting themes here which get undermined by a mixture of um of uh of the fact that it's it's trying to play it very safe in terms of the violence and also it's got the love interest storyline and the love triangles and everything oh, like geez. that yeah. which i are you hashtag team peter or hashtag team gail i'm hashtag team cool dude with the trident all the way through because he is dope. yeah he is the best 
um so so i uh, should should we should we do what we did with um with the twilight movies and go through them quickly one by one and then have an overall wrap up at the end over the the whole series would that yes is that the best yes, way I to do this i think that's fair yes absolutely so but a point on the um the sort of the sanitization issue though i think what's it, that comes back to the origins of the book and in my my previous job i worked with the woman who had published the hunger games when she worked at scholastic um and she said that bef- when it was submitted to them they were all really impressed by what an amazing story it was but um they were really really not sure whether they should publish it because it was so violent and so graphic but still trying to reach that teen audience and it really did start a phenomenon by bringing that kind of thing to a teen audience and bridging that gap that didn't really exist there before. So I think there is something to be said for bridging that gap, but whether that translates well to film, we'll, we'll see, won't we? Yes. Yeah. And I think, I think that is a, I think that's a, that's an important separation to make is these, the books I've not read them, but I understand that they did a lot more interesting stuff than what made it into the movies. Although the movies were still reportedly faithful to the, the the books that they're based on um i tried to read them but the prose was extremely turgid and it was in first person present tense which i always struggle with so i just gave up you you hate it wasn't awful but it was like no. you hate that first person yeah can't 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 <laughs> deal with it give me the set the second or the third person i'm fine with i do it. love a second person gimmick yeah second is it's always a gimmick it, it is always a gimmick but i'm always just like yeah i can get on board with this you open the front door, the murderer comes in with his tic-tac-toe board. <laughs> and you think, save me, Detective Nancy. Yeah. <laughs> you die. <laughs> End of book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a choose-your-own-adventure. It is. It is. Um, but anyway, right. So, so Hunger Games 1. Hunger Games 1. The Hunger Games. The Hunger Games. Did you enjoy The Hunger Games? I did. Yeah. I thought it was good. I think uh, of the four... It's probably the best one, and it works very well as a self-contained film, actually. Even though, obviously, it was always written to be part of this wider thing, it's good as a self-contained thing because it focuses on, as you say, the the Battle Royale murder game aspect of it rather than all the other um, stuff where it starts to kind of creak a bit at the hinges. I think it's actually really, really well executed, and um, it starts quite well, doesn't it, with all, all the atmospheric stuff and quite slow, but also in media rays, which is good. It doesn't do too much scene setting. It doesn't open with a bunch of the characters telling the plot to each other. It actually sort of starts remarkably well, I think, for this kind of film. And then it gets, yeah, it, as it goes on, it's it's good, I think. What do you think? Yeah, I'd agree. I think in general, it um, it does a pretty darn good, job of telling a kind of dystopian fiction storyline aimed at the younglings which is what it is and there's some very interesting choices and i think all of the movies well the first two i.e the good ones spoiler alert um yeah if you hadn't guessed already or (laughs) they both struggle from the first half being quite strong and then the second half being quite weak and I think in terms of the world building, they do a very good job in 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 the first film and the second film, but we'll, we'll talk about that separately. Um, in, yeah. in, in, in Once you get over the fact that Stanley Tucci is there with amazing hair, being this like flamboyant presenter guy, 
once that stops feeling new, that's when it stops being good. Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, and and so, yeah, so they do a very good job of world building where they've got the slick presentation of amazing head Stanley Tucci. They've got that clear separation between the 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 dour lives of the people in the districts in the in the outer districts versus the capital and the excess of the capital um and and also there's there's interesting things like the the peacekeepers i fucking hate a lot of the terminology in these movies by the, the way the stormtrooper peacekeepers yeah the the the, the bad guy soldiers their 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 outfits yeah. look a bit shit and i think that's quite interesting <laughs> And they do. They look like stormtrooper outfits that your mum made for World Book Day. Yeah, and I, I think that's clearly a deliberate choice because it's like it's the flashy facade of a fascist state that's being sort of put on show. And I think in the grim light of day, it all looks a bit rubbish. And so all of that, all of that binary in this film works really well. And and they set up the idea of the Hunger Games very well. You know, it's the same thing as. Um, as the purge where it's like we do this thing and it keeps people in line that that kind yeah, of thing like um opposite day like opposite day exactly it's it's the opposite day the, the hunger day um hunger day <laughs> yeah and it, it does all that and as if it's all very very normal which is the key thing to getting dystopian stuff right is you have to ask what is normalized yes right? yeah exactly and and this is normalized although it it's clear that nobody wants to do this they still have an acceptance of it as part of this police state that they live in. And I think, yeah, that's, that's, that's well done. That's, that's, that's good. Um, yeah, that works. And so all of that scene setting works incredibly well. Um, and then little, little snippets of bullshit start to creep in here and there. Uh, <laughs> well, they do start very, very early on with um, one of the lesser Hemsworths who is, he really ruins the whole thing. Doesn't he? <laughs> Just by being there, who in and in our house he's known as Mr. Miley Cyrus because at the time he was dating Miley Cyrus, but we didn't know his name. We just knew he was dating Miley Cyrus, so that was always his name. And every time he'd come on screen, we'd go, "Look, it's Mr. Miley Cyrus." <laughs> Mr. Miley Cyrus. You know, there there are not just two Hemsworths, by the way. There are other Hemsworths. Yeah, yeah. You know, Pete Hemsworth, <laughs> Gary Hemsworth. So, so. Jonathan Hemsworth. So obviously, the number one Hemsworth is Chris Hemsworth. We love a bit of. He's Thor Hemsworth. Thor Hemsworth. But then yeah. there is also Luke Hemsworth, um, who is the older brother, I think. Oh, really? Yes. And he is a character in Westworld, the TV series okay. Westworld, and he's done various Tim other things. Tim Westworld. Yeah, you've got uh, West, West, Westworth, <laughs> and then you've got the lesser Hemsworth, which is Liam Hemsworth. Yeah. Um, who is the character the in, this. in this who is just Captain... With his face like a discarded halibut. <laughs> Captain Charisma Vacuum. <laughs> um, <laughs> who who basically is... It's the, the They try and set up this love triangle in these, in these stories. But the issue is... Try being the operative word. That both, both of the male characters are shit. And... <laughs> Yes, that's true. And Peter, I can't argue Peter is marginally less shit because he's a baker and he doesn't have, he's not got the skill set that allows him to become a revolutionary. And that's an interesting choice to make. He's a um, baker. He's a gardener. He's a midnight shaker. <laughs> he's a baker. He's a maker. He's a, also a Quaker. 
um yeah anyway right so uh so so yeah he um so they, they make some interesting choices with his character because he's not he's he's got some strength to him in terms of physical yeah. strength but apart from that all of his skills don't don't push him towards being this violent revolutionary um so he's very good at camouflage he's also very articulate and clever and i think the fact that they made a character like that in in this kind of movie and made that one of the love interests is interesting what they do with this character later on in the series is incredibly dumb um but but he surprises you at points doesn't he like in the second film just jumping ahead a bit when it's like, oh, they've all got to go back into the Hunger Games again and blah, blah, blah. He gets up on the TV show with flamboyant Stanley Tucci and says, hey, by the way, Katniss is pregnant. And he obviously he just made that up, but that he thought to make that up. It's like, yeah, yeah, you, you go, man. Yeah, he, he's someone who knows how to play the Hunger Game, as it were. Uh-huh. Um, and, yeah. and, and I think that's very clever. And particularly in the first two movies, they do a really good job with that, where he he is the voice whereas Katniss is the action and and so you see that kind of binary where they're like okay yeah they do work together um and then and then Liam Hemsworth's character adds literally nothing (laughs) yeah literally nothing apart from to be to as you say he kicks off the underlying bullshit by quite early on in the scene he calls her catnip and you're like I don't believe it I don't believe that for a second man the way he says it is so wooden and it's just oh no (laughs) Um yeah so so the 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 love interest and the love triangle bullshit does it is a detriment in the first movie and in the second movie um cuz it's it's always the wrong time for just like a scene that cuts back to him looking sad in a room yes yeah he, the the cut Kemsworth as we have discussed <laughs> over text <laughs> yeah. um i wrote down in my notes i put a little on the sense Hemsworth aka Mr Miley Cyrus is a wooden cut <laughs> But it, it, it auto corrected it to it auto corrected it to wooden duck, <laughs> wooden duck Hemsworth. <laughs> Which um, you know you could have got a wooden duck to play him in this film, and it would have been much the same. Yeah, yeah. Um, to play a man called Gale, wood, wooden wooden cuck is now going to be my go-to insult for anybody. Your user, um, that's going to be your username. Um, and what's what's interesting is that old old Hemsworth here is an outlier because most of the supporting cast in these movies is very very good even into the later movies the supporting cast is is good so you've got absolutely you've got, and i think that's what genuinely carries it because without the people who are really really good in those kind of roles it would be a well, it would be, it wouldn't be a shit piece would it but it would be genuinely unwatchable and yeah. as it is i think the four of them are just about okay even though the last two are rubbish yeah o- over- they would be really terrible if they didn't have the good performances they they would be very bad and, and i think there's a lot of parallels here with the harry potter movies um although i think the quality of the acting in the hunger games overall is better um, in terms of yeah, the, t- there's no Hemsworths in those. In 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 terms of the two leads in the Hunger Games, they're better than the lead three in the Harry Potter movies. But the, yeah, but, they, but also they were adults when the series began versus being literal twelve year exactly, olds exactly who grew up into those um, films. So that's yeah, a, a difficult comparison exactly, but is a fair one. Um, but and and so I think. But I think both of them do have that whole aspect of a really strong supporting cast. So, you know, in the first Hunger Games, you've got Stanley Tucci, Wes Bentley. Um, you've got Elizabeth Lenny Banks, Kravitz. Lenny Kravitz. 
Um, I adore Lenny Kravitz in these films. I mean, who I, I wrote down, I want Lenny Kravitz to encourage me when I have to do something hard. You should just do a supercut of him in this movie and then just put it on whenever you need it. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then you've got Woody Harrelson, you've got Toby Jones. Um, yeah. It's a really good supporting cast here that really... You've got the guy who looks it. like someone drew on Ashton Kutcher's face while he was asleep at a party. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? <laughs> the game maker guy in the first one. Oh, that's um, that's Wes Bentley. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I love Wes Bentley, and I love his terrible beard in this film. Um, <laughs> it is awful. It's so good. Um, but then also the kids do a really good job, like the other kids um, that go into the games with them. Um, so you've got yeah. Jack Quaid, you've got um, Alexander Ludwig as well. Um, all of these. Which one's he? So he is the big beefy boy. Um, oh, the beefy boy. Yeah, yeah big big beefy boy. With a big chin. <laughs> yeah. Um, who's very good in the TV show Vikings, which is a show about, as you might have guessed, Vikings. I've not seen that, but weirdly, I've seen it being filmed from afar, and I have stolen a piece of rock from the set of that TV show. Oh, really? Yeah. A couple of years ago when we were in Ireland, we were um, on a bus tour through the Wicklow Mountains, and we saw them filming that show, and then we we happened to upon a rest stop where there was like a bit of the set that they weren't using that day, and I stole a tiny bit of foam rock. Oh, excellent. Um, I'm never going to watch it. It is. It is good. It is good. Um, and then you've also got um, Isabel Furman, who uh, is in one of my all-time favorite trashy horror movies called Orphan. Uh, everyone should watch Orphan, and everyone should go into it knowing nothing about it. It's great. Um, okay, I will ask you no questions. Do not ask me any questions. But it's got one of the best twists in horror movie history. It's so good and so in a, stupid in a trashy way. Yeah, yeah. It's it's so trashy. I love it. Um, but yes, so there's a competency here, which I think is really, you know, I, I, I think is really strong. And because a lot of the time these movies, they have some real flaky elements. I mean, look at even the first Twilight, which is probably the strongest of the Twilight uh, films, um, was still a disaster. Who was anyone in that film? <laughs> just, I can't. I genuinely can't remember anyone in Twilight apart from the main two. You, of Michael you got Anna, Anna Kendrick as well. Oh, of course. You got yeah. all of the friends in the sassy first friend one. Anna Kendrick. Yeah, um, she's everybody's sassy friend. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, so, so, yeah. Like, I, I think there's. The, it's a good film. It's a good film. I'm going to say it. And these are people who not only were good at the time but have since gone on to bigger things as well. Yes. Um, Mother, for instance. <laughs> Mother! The greatest film ever made. Um, yeah, so... so And that's the thing. A lot of them have gone on to being great things or were in great things before this and, and have continued to be excellent. Um, and so it's it's good. It's a, it's a good movie. And, well, we haven't even mentioned Donald Sutherland. Well, of course, yeah. And Donald Sutherland. President Snow. Who I who I love, I he he really carries it as well as the kind of not quite villain but the guy who you know is there all in the background. Yeah, and it's his it's his thing. The Hunger Games is his thing, man. Unfortunately, you don't see his bare ass in this movie. I think that's the only thing <laughs> no. that would have elevated it. Um, but <laughs> but it is very good. Um, and yeah, if he just gets up there at the um the announcement of the Hunger Games celebration, whatever they call it, just turns around, drops his trousers. How do you like that? How do you like that for hunger? Um, yeah, so uh, so yeah, it's uh, it's it's it, it gets off on a good it's a good start, isn't it? And 
and and that whole first half and even maybe the beginning bit of them being trapped in the hunger games is also very effective you've got that whole shaky gam scene where they brutally murder all of the weak kids it's horrific and like yes it would have been good but again a lot of it happens at a distance yeah and and it would have been good if maybe they'd shown a bit more of that or like tied it into the satire element of the broadcasting of it a little bit more done a little bit more of the truman show style thing that they kind of hint at yeah there was very little of that 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 side of it was only existed when it was to do with the the ongoing stolen from harry potter and bastardized narrative of i'm the chosen one but i'm only doing any of it because i love my friends so much man (laughs) yeah exactly um and and so yeah, it, uh, although we are suggesting that Harry Potter has anything original about it whatsoever, which I think is a very <laughs> dangerous statement to make. Um, he was the first ever wizard cop. He was the first ever wizard cop. And I, I have an interesting parallel to bring up about Harry Potter, so remind me at the end. I thought you were going to say about wizard cop. Uh, I always have interesting things to say about <laughs> wizard cop. But remind me at the end where I want to bring up how this series of movies succeeds where Harry Potter fails. Yeah, I have something interesting to say. Um, well, I hope it's interesting anyway. It might be terrible. But the uh, the inclusion of Woody Harrelson. For one, for one thing. thing, Woody Harrelson should have played every wizard in Harry Potter. Imagine him as yeah. Dumbledore and Snape and Hermione. All at the wizard same Harrelson. time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wizard Harrelson, exactly. Um, but, but it does then kind of fall apart a little bit where the movie kind of feels like it's just a bunch of kids hiding in the woods for about about 40 minutes <laughs> yeah. or so it really lulls and they've got weapons yeah but but they're not really doing anything anything with it and occasionally you'll hear a bang that suggests that the the cool kids have murdered someone much like comprehensive education in in england <laughs> um <laughs> yeah exactly it definitely does feel a bit like they want you to think that it's like high school and that there are cool kids and nerds yeah and i think that's a bit dumb um but then but then towards the end it brings it back around again where you have the whole you get that sympathy for the most cool of the murderous kids where you realize that actually he's been conditioned for all his life to be this killer in the hunger games and that's part of the culture of his district and you think that's really fucked up and the fact that they've broached that subject in a kids movie is really interesting um yeah and and so they they bring it all around again to that and they they there's a few other weird horrible bits where katniss murders a girl by dropping wasps on her that's fucked up katniss is a bad human being and that is a (laughs) that is a through line for all of these movies she is a bad human being yeah um she is a (laughs) knob but um but yeah so there are those interesting moments and and there are those shocking moments where where um prue dies in the first movie is is just like you know it's going to happen because obviously there's only going to be two people that survive in this and it's going to be love interest and katniss um and she's like 12 and and yeah and so like she's going to die she is a, a a very small child um in this scenario where lots of kids are trying to murder other kids um but but it still works. It's you, you know it's coming, but it still works. And so overall, I think that first movie is quite successful. Um, yeah. And then that leads us on to... And you know that they've done something um, that President Snow is unhappy with. It just gives you the hints at the end, but doesn't really go too deep into it. And it's like, you know, oh, there's going to be something bad's going to happen. Yeah, something bad's going to happen. They've managed to get around it. Um, 
Wes Bentley goes into a room and he has to eat the berries. Yes. And, and like that. That's a good scene. I want there to be a, a, a cut scene where um, where President Snow is just there forcing berries into his mouth saying, eat the berries, <laughs> eat the berries. <laughs> Come on. Do it. Oh, it's like um, that scene in The Favourite where they're pelting the naked man with berries. It's just um, Donald Sutherland, except he's naked and Wes Bentley's clothed and he's throwing berries at him. Exactly. That's what I want to see. Yeah. Throw that my way. Um, but that leads us on to the second Hunger Games movie, um, which is Hunger Games Catching Fire. Yeah. And again, I think here, the first half works pretty well. And and where I think it works is, of course, they weren't going to be allowed to go and live a happy life. Of course, the rest of their lives is going to be spent being puppets of this fascist government. Yeah, and, uh, and if you don't, you end up being a drunk like Woody Harrelson. Yeah, and, I, and I, I think that was a really interesting way to go with it. And again, to show the skill set of Peter versus Katniss, where he is much more adept at playing that role, um, I think I think that all works incredibly well. And, and you get introduced to other characters who are other previous winners, and you see how their lives have been torn apart by this as well, and how... Yeah. There is no escape. There that is no side of victory. it is the most interesting thing about it by by far. And the second film is all of the, the previous winners and who they are and who they were and how their lives were affected by it and all that. And there's one or two that they focus on too much, like um, Fiddick. But he's great. And he's he becomes the one that you, you root for the most. Yeah, everyone loves Fiddick. He is amazing. Um, I yeah. wish he was my the handsome boy. He is the handsome boy. Um, and he also says the, the genius line, which is... I haven't dealt in anything as common as money in years. <laughs> which is so good. <laughs> which makes zero sense, but is so good. I, I adore him. He is by far and away the best thing about these movies. He is cool. He has a trident. He's handsome. He's a beefy boy. I want to be his friend and potentially his lover. He yep. is the leader of my resistance. Um, he carries an old woman on his back. He catches my heart on fire is all i'm gonna say um but yeah and and so they they focus on these other characters and i think and you've got jeffrey wright as the science nerd guy he is fantastic i i think his performance is one of the best and he's just he's all just like i'm gonna say some technical information now tech stuff tech electricity electricity yeah exactly he's so good um i love jeffrey wright in everything um but he's he's phenomenal in this um and and yeah, they they all it all it all works incredibly well again with all of these different um, all of these different people, and also they're so varied in terms of how they've reacted to their life since the Hunger Games. Um, so obviously you've got people uh, like um, like Finnick who are just their their lives have become basically this PR mouthpiece, but at the same time they've they've been able to not revel in their status, but elevate their lives to this status where they do live in a fancy world that they they resent because of how they're forced to live their lives because of it. Equally you get that it's the idea that Jeffrey Wright and um and and the other tech woman have been pushed into supporting this fascist state because of their tech knowledge that they first showed as part of the Hunger Games that they won. Yeah. Um, it's it's interesting and and it does that world building again successfully where it falls down is it's 
at times it feels like a rehash of the first movie so you've got the whole hey you better put on your fiery outfit again hey you better go and impress the judges again oh shit by the way you're going back into the hunger games surprise yeah lol um and and i think that the hunger games in the second one are more entertaining you have vicious baboons love that yeah <laughs> you've got poison fog love that too you've got the the swirling vortex of death in the middle equally yeah. fully on board the, with that the clock takes them a long time to work out that it's obviously a clock <laughs> and what what disappointed me a little bit was that there are no kids in this Hunger Games, but still it's not violent enough. Like you, you no. can kind of think in the first one, it's like, okay, they don't want to show a 12-year-old being beheaded <laughs> on screen in this movie, obviously, because that is not the kind of thing that you would show. Um, but when it's a bunch of adults, they really could have amped up that violence and then that would have created more intensity behind the fact that you've got all of these people in the hunger games but instead it just feels like a rehash and it almost feels less violent than the first one um which i think is a bit strange even though yeah there is a bit more violence going on within the games themselves but it's it's all because the games themselves focus less on that element of it and more on the the very tedious thing of everyone obviously knowing that there's some kind of plot going on that they're all in on that she has absolutely no idea about because she's dumb. Yes, she has no idea what's going on. Um, And it's pretty obvious that there is something going on, but she seems completely oblivious to it entirely. She doesn't care about because she just loves Peter and wants Peter to live. But does she really love Peter? I will quote quote my other half on this. Um, (laughs) Which... Is she Team Hemsworth? She is. She is Team Nobody, apart from <laughs> Team Not Cat Katniss. Um, she shouted at the television during the first movie, "Make your choice, you skank." Um, <laughs> then, then did caveat it with, "I fully support the sexual choices of women," but <laughs> um, yeah. The asterisk over the whole because we do not slut shame that is not part of our brand we are fully no. fully supportive of empowered decisions but equally make up your fucking mind jesus christ um <laughs> and and the second movie really it it focuses even more so on the romance aspect and it is by far the weakest thing about the series as a whole but particularly those first two movies you don't give a shit no, it's really tedious. You just get even more sad crying Hemsworth and he's talking to her about turkeys at one point and it made me laugh out loud because it was so stupid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and then and then you get introduced to... And, and, and this is where there's also parallels, to, I think, to Twilight, which is another series that obviously it gets compared to quite a lot, um, yeah. where every female character who is young is introduced as being a scumbag evil person who is a rival to Katniss. So Jenna Malone's character is hilarious. Yeah. Um, and she gets naked in the lift. She gets naked in the lift. Um, that just comes out of nowhere and is brilliant. Yeah. Like, like incredibly predatory in a sexual manner and clearly an antagonist and very aggressive to Katniss. And it's almost playing it as though like you are the Katniss who is obviously the, the avatar for the reader and the avatar for the viewer is like these women are rivals for the affections of the two men that I love and we must 
not like them at any cost which is kind of where it's going with it and and it changes up a little bit in the final two movies where they introduce a couple of female characters which are more friendly but overall there is this overarching plot like element which is i don't trust other women which i think is really strange and i think i don't think it was necessarily intended in the same way that the conservative values of twilight were intended but but there is this strange element of like you said almost high school politics behind the series all the way through yeah Um, which again i think is to do with the age range that the source material is aimed at and how that provides a through line for this yes yeah which is a shame because there doesn't necessarily need it so ursula Le Guin writes a lot of uh, young adult fiction um yeah i agree i I don't think you should dumb down anything for teens at all i think they're capable of reading anything and actually it's just it's kind of a dumb distinction in many ways overall yes yeah for sure for sure um and and so i think it it is to the detriment of the overall story particularly when you have characters as fun as jenna malone's who yeah she does not do enough in these in these films she's really and i I like her a lot in general i think she's great um but um but yeah it's very much underused um but again it, it, it again showcases the ability of these movies to pick out good supporting characters and cast them incredibly well in order to elevate the subject matter, which is exactly what happens again in this in this in this second film. So you know, you, they introduce yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman, they introduce Jenna oh, Malone, yeah. they introduce the beauty of Finnick, the the Adonis of Finnick, um, <laughs> Jeffrey Wright. You know, again, they they it elevates it. it, it Philip Seymour Hoffman is fantastic. He is, films, he and is. again really carries it. Um, yeah, he he definitely does. Um, and so very sad that he's dead yes yeah yeah very much so these were his last films I they think. were yeah they they have an in, uh in memory of don't they in um in in the mockingjay movies um yeah but it but it again it, it it then does suffer in the second half where they go into the hunger games and there's again lots of hiding out in the woods and you're just like Oh, I don't really care about this. It's like, yeah, let's just have the baboons and then let's get on with it. Yeah, they could have the baboons, they could have the fight in the water, and then they could just get on with it and end the movie. And and that would have been yeah. fine. Um but instead they do this whole sort of stupid plot thing where they go, Ooh, what's going on? Why did why did the the camouflage woman d- jump out to defend me what's what is this it's like well obviously there's some kind of plot going on to protect you uh, idiots she is a real idiot in this film and is so passive and so like all this stuff is happening to me where and it's just like come on yeah it's it's really stupid i do not appreciate all of that and so again great themes it's sexist to tell a woman to grow a pair but she needs to grow a pair She needs to grow some extra hands to deal with the situation. That's what she yeah. needs to do. Um, and there's a contrived thing that that drives her and Peter apart. So she gets rescued and he doesn't. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So um, the movie ends with um, they they carry out the plan of action to break out of the hunger games and start the revolution and join the revolution and guess what district 13 still alive yeah and they're livid and they're all yeah but it ends really abruptly as well as these kind of films always do yeah because basically you get a you get a cliffhanger in basically for three movies in a row it's what Mm -hmm. the, the second third and fourth movies are all one long film 
Um, and and yeah, so then it ends with her going away, but it turns out that Peter's they couldn't rescue Peter for some reason. I don't know why. There's no real no, no real justification for it because he was he was camouflaged. Um, he was he'd put silver paint on himself and hidden himself into a rock to make himself look like old Greg from the mighty boots. <laughs> exactly. And they were like, Oh damn, we can't find him anymore. Um, so <laughs> he's still, he's still in that arena, just wandering around going, I'm old Greg. I'm old Greg. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, uh, so, uh, yeah, he, he doesn't make it out and then that's how it ends. Um, so, so I think, I, th- I think that Catching Fire is again. It's a good film. It's it's definitely not as strong as the first one, um, because no. those strands of bullshit they start becoming more prevalent by this point. It re- the shit starts to stank. Yeah, it's 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 clearly becoming more convoluted, and they're trying to weave this wider story against the simplicity of the first one. And so, the first half has all of that great world building, but again, it all kind of dissipates and it all f- starts okay. feeling a bit more when simplistic. When it's in the world building, I'm like, this is better than the first one. This is building upon it. It's really enjoyable. It's giving me stuff that I always say that I always want with dystopias is I want to know about the world. I want to know about the people. I want to know about the culture and the politics and the economy and how it all functions and how people normalize all the killing. But yeah, it gives you a little bit of that. And then suddenly they're back in the arena. Yes. Yeah. They're back to, to shooting each other with bows but not really because you can't show any blood in this movie because it needs to be a PG-13. Um, And then, yeah, so again, it it feels like a bit of a damp squib at the end, but in comparison to the next two films, it is a masterpiece because then we get into, and I'm going to say this, Mockingjay Part 1 is the worst film of the series. I know that Mockingjay Part 2 has some problems, but at least things happen. Yeah. Because Mockingjay Part 1, literally nothing happens. It is the most pointless film I've ever seen in my That's life. That's not true. I think the subtitle was um, The Hunger Games 3, Katniss Gets Media Training. <laughs> exactly. That's all it is. It's it's her becoming a mouthpiece for the revolution. Um, and it's just like, what is the fucking point of literally this Literally half of it is um, Natalie Dormer pointing a camera at her against some rubble and saying, now say this. No, over there. Yeah, look sad. Look more sad. You're really bad at this. Yeah. <laughs> um, here, here are some more characters named after classical figures for no reason. <laughs> exactly. Can I just point out, by the way, that, um, a- again, we have a really good supporting cast and more additions to the supporting cast. So. Julianne Moore, when she appears, I'm like, that's not Julianne Moore. <laughs> yes, it <laughs> is. It is. <laughs> and, and she's great. And she is great because Julianne Moore is great. But you're, you're just thinking... What are you doing in this film, Julianne Moore? Get out while you still can. Um, yeah, and I think a lot of these roles are not that meaty, really, are they? No, That's the thing. No. They're actually not as many scenes as you think, even though the films are so long. None of the lines are meaty. It's not particularly complex. The films are really convoluted, but not complex. So I think a lot of the actors just thought, yeah, I'll do that. Why not? Yeah, Easy money. because they spend so much time focusing on the bullshit uh, yeah. rather than on what's interesting. Um, can I just point out that her name is Alma Coin? <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> I'll make some coin. I I despise the names. Katniss Everdeen. Yeah, we can talk about this. All the names in this film are shit. Peter Miller. This, this series. The only Peter Hamish Abernathy. If that was spelt as Hamish, <laughs> it would funny. be a great name. But it's Hamish <laughs> because all of them have stupid names. Plutarch yeah. Heavensby. 
you also you, you sound like people who charles dickens wrote down when he was high on mescaline and thought you know what that's too out there to put in my book um yeah he's like i'll just take the name of, of a classical figure and then we'll make it silly yeah exactly President Snow is like the only normal one. Although his first name is Coriolanus, to be his fair. His first name is President. What are you talking about? Oh, so- sorry. His, na- President his Snow. name is President Snow. Al McCoyne. Al McCoyne. So, yeah. Who else, who else have we got? Yeah, Peter Mellark. That makes Oh, my God. Sense. I thought that Jeffrey Wright's character name was BT, as in like Warren BT. But no, it's yeah. spelt BT. Yeah, Jesus well, this is Christ. the thing. That, another thing that doesn't come across in the films as well, if you haven't read the books, is the spellings of the names are all really stupid as well, and like really weirdly childish, like that. Yeah, so Pe- it makes no Peter sense. is P E E T A, which is hilarious because it always makes people sound Peter. like they're saying his name in a Peter. Boston accent. It's Peter. It's <laughs> getting the car. Getting the car. <laughs> Um, it's so bad. Um, and Lenny Kravitz's character, you'd be forgiven if you'd seen the films without knowing how it was spelt, thinking it was sinner, like a, like a man who sins. But no, it's C-I-N-N-A. And of course, the surname is Bon. <laughs> sinner Bon. Oh, dear. Um, it is... I hate. I hated when he got beaten up by the storm. So did I. Really and then sad. you find out that he's dead and you're like, oh. He got killed for being fashionable. He got killed for being too cool. Yeah, um, yeah, Finnick O'Dare, which just sounds like an Irish man you'd meet in the pub. Yeah, Finnick O'Dare. That. Further proof that he's the best best thing about these films. He is, he is. Um, but but you do get some good new characters. You've got Julianne Moore, obviously. Love a bit of Julianne yeah. Moore. Um, Mahashala Ali turns up. He's great. He's always good. As Wade Boggs. As, as Wade Boggs. <laughs> um again he's called boggs he's like a really cool smooth guy he's like i'm gonna clue you into the military revolution he's called fucking called boggs. boggs um yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and then you've also got you know um you've got natalie dormer with her cool cool hair i like natalie dormer a lot yeah. i think she's very talented she's great um, in this she's from games of Thrones. she right? is in the game of the throne she's also in the tudors she plays Amberlyn in the tudors Right. Um, and she's very good in that. She's going to be in the new series of Penny Dreadful, which is a very interesting show. Um, and she voiced... Isn't that just like Peaky Blinders? No, it's very different from Peaky Blinders. <laughs> Peaky Blinders. <laughs> Ooh, apples and pears. I'm going to say it like that every time now. <laughs> just to annoy you. Um, and, and she was also one of the voices in the Dark Crystal TV series that came out last year. Um, oh, okay. She she's very good. I like I like Natalie Dormer a lot. Um and she Yeah, and she's great in this as like the kind of the military people who are all just like, Who are these children that I have to work with now? Even though um Mr. Miley Hemsworth, he suddenly gains a lot of like knowledge of military tactics overnight, even though he's farmed turkeys all his life. Yeah, somehow he's really good at shooting people, which is very suspicious. <laughs> I think he might have been a serial killer. That that's my headcanon for him, is that he was a serial killer in District Twelve. And that's how he's managed to be yeah. so good in the army. Um, you've Definitely. you've got Castor and Pollux as well. Um, yeah. Who are the other two? Um, they're, they're the other two camera people. Um, the other two guys who look like keyboardists in a power metal band <laughs> ex- from Finland. Exactly. Um, shout out to... That's a good thing. Yeah, shout out to Wes Chatham, who plays Castor. He is in a very good TV series called The Expanse. 
Um, oh yeah, it's great that show, and he's really good in it. I've got the books lying around. Oh. Somewhere. I've been meaning to start reading them for ages. Excellent, excellent. So um, yeah, so shout out to him. He's very good in this as well. But this movie is a trash fire. Yeah, um, there's so much like military shooty fighty nonsense. But but the the first on one it. doesn't even really have that. It's just a lot of bullshit and people talking, and then skulking around in an underground base and half of it is her crying about how peter was supposed to live peter was supposed to live i can't help the people and lead the revolution that will free the literal literally whole population of this world from slavery because peter was supposed to live help the people you did it's very harry potter it's so harry potter um and i think but it really it crosses a line (laughs) and it just becomes really tedious and like come on just get on with it. And I think you've killed people in the Hunger Games. Like, what do you care? And and I think the the, the other funny bit is when they say, "Oh, you need. We want you to come and, um, you know, lead lead us and be our mockingjay." And her caveat is, "Well, you've got to go save Peter, and then you've got to pardon him for saying all of this stuff." And w- yep. what's interesting is that obviously, if you were part of a resistance movement, you would know that what was being parroted out there by him was being done under duress and torture. But everyone's like booing him on the screens and saying, "Boo! You've yeah. betrayed us!" It's like, "Boo!" I was saying, "Boo Ernes. Um But that's probably the name of one of the characters in the cap. Boo Ernes. Boo Ernes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, it, it, and and it's got this sim, it's got this frustrating simplicity because there's there's some really interesting thematic stuff in the first two films, and it all just gets dropped in the third one. And yeah. I I think that's the biggest thing is I could handle a boring movie, and I could handle all of this stuff about being a PR mouthpiece for a resistance movement. If it had yeah. had the same level of interest and complexity as the first films first two films that had about their world building but it all just media stagnates. training against a dystopian background that's the black mirror episode that i want well yeah i I'd, I'd quite happily ha- have a look at this in a more interesting context but it all gets gets dumbed down into this navel gazing about how she's sad and how peter's trapped somewhere and then there's all of this convoluted stuff about them rescuing them but they were led away and it turns out that he's actually a sleeper agent um who's now going to try and kill her yeah which makes zero sense um it really doesn't i'm like they're going for this whole it's really stupid and then the whole of the the next film is all just like him gradually getting his memory back so they can get back together it's not even a proper love triangle it's like she just loves him and wants him to have his memory back while mr hemsworth stands in the corner looking sad absolute cuck soy boy beta cuck yeah um but yeah it, you love to see but it. yeah they introduced this whole mancurian candidate mk ultra style thing but they don't really go anywhere with it and it just seems as though he slowly gets over it on his own and there's this vague talk about a treatment method but it doesn't really do anything and it doesn't all it does is delay the eventual revolution yeah and you're like, come on, I really need the revolution to happen now because I need to go to bed. Well, exactly, exactly. Um, and and so they, the, the, just nothing really happens in the in the third movie. Um, and 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 then we reach. So they bum around in District Thirteen for a bit, which of course is an underground military base. Yeah, because everyone knows that 
revolutions against um, fascist dictatorships always happen with really high-tech military stuff. They're yeah. not grassroots movements of people who have who have sort of banded together with random bits and bobs that they can find. Yeah, um, they, they're like they've been driven underground for seventy odd years or whatever. <laughs> it's like, how have they got all this incredible, insane tech? Yeah, yeah, um, and, and that's another real problem. Is that, that I don't want to say that the first two movies have a realism to them, but you can kind of recognize traits in them that that ground them in a way that makes sense. There's a logic to it. Yes, exactly. But then when you enter the third movie, all of that goes out of the way and it almost becomes, it almost becomes kind of this fan service thing, which which is a problem with a lot of these young adult books from this era and young adult films from this era where they get so tied up in convoluted character development that, they lose track of what was interesting about the plots that they were initially telling. And, and and that's where it really, really struggles. And it really almost grinds to a halt in the, in the third film. Yeah. And that's, that's a thing about, as you say, where it comes from and the cultural precedence for it and everything. Cause Harry Potter does it twilight. Does it all of the similar comparable series do the same thing, but yeah, it's often not necessary. And often the characters will just do that. Well, they'll provide that intrigue if you really work on the world building and the cultural stuff within the world. But instead, yeah, you get the revolution eventually and it all comes down to everyone being bombed outside President Snow's house. But it turns out Julianne Moore did it. Yes, and so the fourth movie has loads of stupid action, which I appreciate. Um, yeah, I, I, think I, I think the fourth one is worse because I don't care for the action. Well, I enjoy stupid action and I think after... The sheer... I do not want to see any more Hemsworth running and jumping and talking <laughs> tactics. And after the sheer boredom of the third movie, I was pleased to see things actually happening. Um, so, so you have you have weird digital ooze that rips people apart. Yep. I'm a big fan of that. You've got terrifying eyeless monsters in the sewers. Big yeah, fan of those. A bit like um, the Descent. Yes, yeah, very similar to the Descent. I was very disappointed that they end up killing our beautiful boy Finnick. Yeah, they kill Finnick. It's like, come that on, that was bullshit. That's totally unnecessary. That was bullshit. Because um, he he just fights off like ten of them, and then one of them grabs his ankle and he dies. Yeah, they, one of them just... grabs his ankle and he goes, "Oh, I better let go of the ladder now." And then he gets ripped apart. And well, he starts getting ripped apart, and then he blows himself up. Yeah. Um, you know, it, at least he goes out in a blaze of fire. Um, but yeah, and, and and so you have all of this thing. You have this mission that they go on, and and there's some bits and pieces before that where they she she allows them to have compassion to let civilians out of this area that they're where they're brutally murdering everybody else. Um, yeah, she's less of a baby in this one and starts to make some of her own decisions, i.e., to kill Julianne more instead of presents. Which, which which is, is how it ends. Decision. They. Um, so, so, so they go on this, they're going on this mission and she decides, right, I'm going to go and murder President Snow. Um, and, and they make it a good amount of way there. And then there is, it's genuinely shocking the scene where they're, they're escorting kids to get them into the palace. Um, and then these bombs drop and kills everybody. (laughs) And it's, it is, it is quite a shocking scene. Um, I mean, yeah. They end up killing Katniss's sister. Nobody cares. Worst character in the series. Who gives a shit yeah. about the little girl? 
<laughs> she she's there for Katniss to once be annoyed at her for bringing a cat. Yeah, she, and then so that she can yell at that cat later on. Which which is the moment where. Which is the moment where you go, you're a dick, Katniss. Don't dick, yell at that cat. What did it do to you? What did this cat ever do to you? This cat has she lost its throws a glass at it. Yeah. Um, uh, but to be fair to the cat, it just gives her the look of utter disdain that all cats have for humans. <laughs> exactly. Fully deserved. It's a very good cat. Fully deserved. Excellent cat. 20 out of 20. Perfect movie. Perfect cat. But yeah. Again, the, the sister character just exists to give Katniss something to moan about because she's moaning all the time. <laughs> well, yeah, the, the first movie is she gets picked out, so Katniss has got to be the tribute. Second movie, she does nothing at all. And then third movie, she gets a cat. Fourth movie, she dies. And that that's yeah. it. It's it, Nobody she cares. She gets a cat. She becomes a, what, like the youngest doctor in the world, and still nobody cares. <laughs> She's like... It's like a 13-year-old doctor. <laughs> what is it? Doogie Howser, MD? Yeah, it's basically yeah, that. dystopian Doogie Howser. Um, um, yes, but yeah, it's it's a nice twist that um, Julianne Moore did the bombs and made it look like President Snow did it. Yes, and it all ties into that theme of do the end, do the ends justify the memes, which is the whole point of the Hunger Games. The memes. <laughs> the, 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 what I said. <laughs> you said the memes. The, the ends justify the memes. Um, <laughs> The, the the ends justify the means, um, which is the whole point of the Hunger Games as well, is, you know, um, it, it, and it's nice that it ties back into that. It's quite shocking that they would be willing to murder these people for no actual reason. Um, and and then it all ends with Katniss murdering her with a bow and arrow. Um, yep. And and then when she's supposed to be murdering Snow, which is a great scene, like that scene is really well shot and really well done. He's like tied to the the post, and she's supposed to shoot him. And the, you know, you know it's going to happen, but you're still just like, yeah, turn that arrow upwards. And then Donald Sutherland is just like leaning forward, and there's blood coming out of his mouth, and he's laughing while the mob tramples him. <laughs> it really rips him apart. It's, That's like quite a good scene. Yeah, that that is a good scene. That there are some there are some good moments in the in the fourth movie, which is why I think I like it more than the third. Is at least things happen, and the, yeah, I think you're right. And actually, there are yeah. there are some elements like that that do work quite well. And then fuck all happens for like the last half hour. So she, so yeah. she gets dumped back in District Twelve where she Philip Seymour Hoffman. Let let's go. The fact that she just murdered the president, <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, it's fine. You know, you you can go back and live in a big nice house." Yeah, and then it turns out that she and Peter had kids eventually. It's like, yeah, but, no. After she's been sad and shouted at the cat, suddenly Peter's just gardening outside her <laughs> house, just, uh... <laughs> and he's not even knocked on the door. He's there just gardening. Yeah, which is great. I love it. Knock on the door, Peter, you dick. He, he's just like... Don't be rude. Well, I think he's still he's still the sleeper agent, isn't he? And he's like, right, these plants uh, these plants yeah. are, uh, are poisonous. I can put these into her tea. And then he notices that she's come out. And he's like, oh, shit. Yeah, I picked you some flowers. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, she, she dumps old, old Cuck Hemsworth. He's all sad because he yeah. literally had one job, which was protect her family. And guess what? The sister got blown up. Yeah, shit, Hemsworth. Yeah. <laughs> he had one job, mate, and you couldn't do it. And he didn't even know whether Julianne Moore did it or not. No, no. Useless. Useless man. Yeah. Um, but yeah. But then he becomes a captain in the military. He does, but nobody cares. He can fuck off. <laughs> no. And then, yeah. 
Hamish is sort of around and then they're just living this life clearly in District 12 where there's clearly nobody except them, but somehow they're being able to get food and water and whatever. And then a couple of years later, of course, they, they have children because that's, because that's what, what everyone is supposed to that's do. That's what happens in these stories. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And then she tells her baby about having nightmares. It's like, you leave that baby alone. Yeah, just let it, let it be. Yeah, she's like, did you have a nightmare? Babies don't have fucking nightmares because they're babies. <laughs> they have dreams. Like, babies do dream. But like at first, the dreams don't even really constitute dreams because there's so little information in their brain and in their memory for it to be there. Like, a baby of that age wouldn't have dreams. Don't let your dreams be dreams. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I loved it when Shia LaBeouf turned up at the end. <laughs> I mean, I'd have loved He's that. standing there in the in the cornfield next to Peter and his son going, do it! <laughs> Just do it! Just do it. Um. <laughs> right, as a father, that scene almost got me when I saw Peter playing with his adorable son in, in the meadow. I was like, oh, this is this is cute. Maybe, I'm gonna, maybe this is going to be nice. And he's like, nope. Katniss, the dickhead, is going to ruin it for everyone like she has done for four films. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Um, so, <laughs> well done, mate. Well done. Um, but uh, yeah, it's 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 just a bit of a damp squib ending, isn't it? And yeah, you don't really get this feeling that it's anything very wet. has changed, which I think is a big problem. It's a wet milk ending. Yeah, it is a bit of a wet milk ending. It's very yeah, because I want to know about the kind of society that Plutarch Heavensby is building. But no, you get one letter, and that's it. Yeah, and, and and that's the thing is when when a movie ends like this, you never get that that satisfaction from it. You need to either end it at the time that the revolution succeeds, um, or or the 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 heroes have been champions, or you need to show a little bit of what has changed. And I think that's where this really fails. But I do think that, and, and I'm, I'm now going to bring up my where did this succeed that Harry Potter didn't. Um, at the very least, the agents of change in the Hunger Games are Katniss and the Revolution, which yeah. is the name of her band. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I would listen to them doing the song Girls and Boys. Whereas in Harry Potter, Harry Potter is your centrist dar. He's a wizard cop. He is the wizard cop. And they stand for the status quo, whereas Voldemort is the agent of change. Yeah. And so they never... And and all the way through the Harry Potter films and books, they they show all of these discrepancies in wizard society. You know, the, the, the mistreatment of people, everything like that. The fact that they have all of this power to actually make things better across the world and don't use it. Um, and instead it's Harry Potter is not that agent who is trying to bring about something positive. He is just trying to maintain the status quo and Voldemort is yeah. the one going, I'm going to fuck shit up. Um, <laughs> yeah. Actual quote, Do bag, gonna fuck you up. actual quote from Voldemort. I'm a <laughs> fuck shit up. Uh, actually what he says. Um, yeah. JK real. Rowling approved. Um, but but it's canon. and so I think that's an area where the Hunger Games does succeed is, um, the I mean that's partly to do with the way it's set up, isn't it? That's the whole thing. That's how a dystopia works. Yes, but it's yeah. got to say that that isn't important to recognize that. 
because that affects the character development and all of that stuff. Exactly, exactly. And so I, I think there is there is a better scope here, um, which I think shines through, uh, particularly as well in comparison to other young adult series that have been incredibly popular, like like Twilight. Um, you know that there is a structure here, and there are themes here. And there is a general coherence, even if it loses a bit at the end. So I I, I think I still in, appreciated watching this to the end, even though those last two films are bad. Yeah. I, I did as well, for sure. The last two are a slog, but it, it does come together at the end. And when you see Donald Sutherland laughing as the mob crushes him, you're like, yes, it was all leading up to this moment. Yeah, and so I'm 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 happy with that. Um, but it should have. What should have happened is she should have just shot Julianne Moore, turned around to the camera, and gone, "Who's hungry now?" And then it just ends. He just kept pew, 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 playing, and yeah, she just puts on a <laughs> pair of sunglasses. Explosion. End of the series. Love it. <laughs> yeah, I did think the um, the score the scores were very good, and they reused the right bits of music between the films. Like um, Stanley Tucci had a little theme every time he walked on stage. You were like, "Yeah, man." yes yeah exactly that there is a level of good here just in terms of competent filmmaking that puts it above other young adult series um yeah absolutely did you did a slight technical point that may have just been the copies that i watched but the third and fourth film seem to have a very dark color palette Yes, yeah, I found that as well. At times, I couldn't really even tell what it was, was going it, on because it was too it was very. Dark. It was very muddy. Also, CGI fire always looks terrible in these films across the oh, board. Oh god, yeah, I was going to say <laughs> that the first one, especially, it looks rubbish. Yeah. It looks like word art. It's it's really bad. Um, some of the CGI. And they're on that chariot thing going along. Oh, it's so awful. And in general, the CGI is a bit dodge. Um, the, Lenny, Lenny Kravitz kind of like he made it and he's happy with it, but he also knows that it's bad. The um, the CGI dog monsters in the first movie as well were pretty poor. Oh yeah, rubbish. Oh. And what's really good about that as well is that before they released them, um, Wes Bentley looks at one of them and strokes his chin and goes, "Yes, very good. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> release the hounds." I I adore that. Apparently, I'm not sure if this is true, but apparently in the books. Um, the dogs are meant to have the faces of fallen champions on them. So you, it's supposed to be double terrifying because it's basically a dog with uh, a human right. face going, I'm going to fucking get you, mate. I'm going to kill you. Um, That's nasty. Which is, which is, again, terrifying. There's a lot of nightmare fuel in these aimed at kids, which I thoroughly appreciate. <laughs> yeah. I thought you'd enjoy it from that point of view. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But But it does... I do think that it's all too long. It's all too po-faced. Um, listeners, if you enjoy The Hunger Games, but you'd like to see it all done better and in one movie, The Running Man does this better and in one movie. <laughs> and there's, oh, there are multiple Battle Royale movies, aren't there? There are. But I've only yeah. seen the first one. Yeah. The first one is very good. Yeah, and I'm not sure how good the follow-ups are. Um, but the, But The Running Man does the whole dystopian murder game through to the victorious revolution it actually does the whole arc all in one film and it's got and also it's got arnie in it and also it's written by stephen king yes yeah it's actually very 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 good it's also very funny deliberately so 
Um, and is set in sort of 2017. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's already great. passed. It's already passed. It's set in 2017. Um, I'm sorry you guys missed The Running Man. Um, and, and, and that does the whole satire of a game show thing incredibly well, which there's those little hints at in, in The Hunger Games, but it never really does it enough to be interesting. Um, no. So, um, so, but then it tries to go massive with the whole revolution thing in a very, very long and convoluted way. Yes, yeah, which is just not worth it. Um, but all of the actual revolution stuff is happening in the background of scenes in which she's standing there going, Peter needs to live. Peter, no, Peter, Peter, get in the car, get in the car, Peter. <laughs> We're going to Fenway Park to watch the Red Sox. <laughs> <laughs> oh god it's so good peter millock massive red sox fan huge red sox fan massive watches the bruins as well yep <laughs> oh dear um yeah so right have you got anything else you want to share about about these um movies? no i i think i've covered it overall good worth worth watching some fun stuff, some stupid stuff, but definitely worth your time. Yeah, I'd say in terms of the series that we've watched for this podcast, this is probably the best of the bunch. It's better than Twilight. Yeah. Um, it's it's yeah, it's enjoyable, and it's even even the shittest films. I think there's still something entertaining. I, you need to watch the the third and fourth ones back to back. I don't think you could just watch the third one on its own. No. no. Um, but uh, but even then it is yeah there, there's something to it there's something to it yeah also Josh Hutchison who plays Peter is a short king yes <laughs> he, he is you aware of the concept of a short king I am aware <laughs> yeah he's five foot five he's a, oh wow he's, he's that short a king yeah um this is going to sound very discriminatory but I play FIFA a lot and I play the career mode in FIFA where you um you basically build you can build up a youth squad of young players that you can promote. Um, and so you scout all of these players. And for me, at least I don't hire any youth players that are under five foot six. I'm just like, <laughs> that is too short for my team. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Peter Malak. You would not make it into my FIFA team. I'm well, afraid. yeah, you'd struggle in baseball as well. Most baseball players are around six foot, especially pitchers. Most of them are like six four. So there are a surprising number of pitchers who are like six foot eight now as well. Oh wow! But there's one of my favorite pitchers of all time, Marcus Stroman, who is five foot six, and he is a short king. And so much so that he was always told that he was too short to be a pitcher, and he's never going to make it. Never going to make it, and he made it. And he found founded a clothing label called HDMH, which stands for Height Doesn't Measure Heart. So how's that for a short king? Oh, that's very cute. But in general, yeah, Peter would struggle. He wouldn't. He wouldn't be on the Red Sox. He'd just be watching them. He's got season tickets. He'll be fine. He is apparently slightly shorter than Jennifer Lawrence. Yep. Um, and actually, in a lot of the scenes, I think they made her look taller than him. Yeah, like significantly taller. So I think I think that's fair enough. You know. Yeah. We we stand a short boy. Yeah. Especially as the tall Hemsworth in this film is such a dud. He's <laughs> so rubbish. Um, Just useless. But I, Flim flam. But I would like to shout out to Josh Hutcherson. He's talented. 
he maybe doesn't get to show it off in these movies as much, but he does play Denny in the Disaster Artist, which I love. Yes, he he's does. so good. Um, <laughs> I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, which you know what, we love you for that. You can you could make shit movies for the rest of your life, and I would love you for that. Um, he's in the Kids Are All Right as well, which is a really good a really good film. I don't know if you've seen that. No, I haven't. Um, so it's about these 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 kids who. Um, they were um they're they're it's actually got julianne moore in as well actually um so so these two kids they have two uh mothers and then they bring their biological dad who who's their dad through artificial insemination into their lives and it's it's a really interesting quite touching um film um uh which which is which is really good he's also in um, the film Detention, which is directed by Joseph Harm. Uh, I don't believe I know much about Joseph Harm. So Joseph Harm uh, is one of the coolest guys ever. He is uh, <laughs> he's the DJ for Linkin Park. No way! Yeah. And he directed oh. he directed this very strange meta horror comedy called Detention. Um, which is about a serial killer in high school, um, and and cool. yeah, Josh Hutchinson's in that. So yeah, Josh Hutchinson chooses interesting movies. We 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 stand you, our short king. Hmm. That's cool. Um, but yeah, so um, yeah, have you got anything else you want to share about the Hunger Games, or shall we shall we wrap it up? Uh, nope, that's all. We can wrap it up. How are we going to rate this? How many kids would you kill in the Hunger Games? <laughs> Yeah. Out of twenty, um, I'd kill twelve. Yeah, I think that's fair. I'm going to go for twelve as well. Um, there's there's quality here. It's it's all right for a movie marathon. It it gets a bit. It is it it's a bit po faced. Like I said, it's a bit too serious for its own good. But there is there's some quality films amongst these amongst these movies. Yeah, for sure. Worth your time. For sure, yes, but yeah. Yeah, not for the romance element. No, no, the romance element is very bad. Yeah. All right. That was the Hunger Games. That was podcast over. <laughs> um. So it's your choice next. What are we going to watch? It is. Yeah. So um, I'm chatting with fans of the podcast on Twitter. Our good friend Killian Curran has been talking about his desire for us to get back and do some more sort of classic romantic comedies and such from the 80s so we're going to hit pretty in pink oh excellent excellent choice i'm yeah. excited i figured it'd be a complete the complete opposite of this yes <laughs> i don't think there's any murder games in, uh, in no. pretty in pink is there okay excellent jo- john hughes not a fan of a murder game as far as i know no no exactly Home Alone is sort of getting nearly, there, right? nearly there. Yeah, there's there's a lot of almost murder in that. Yeah, qu- not quite murder. If he had it his way, he would be murdering, but he doesn't quite make it. Yeah, or if it was real life, someone would be dead if that amount of bricks hit them in the face <laughs> from the top of a very tall building. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that'll be fun. But in the meantime, thanks a lot for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed The Hunger Games. It's always nice to watch a whole series. So if you got through all four films, well done. Yes. What would your weapon of choice be in The Hunger Games?
Yeah. Can you make us up a silly name with um, a classical figure and just change some of the letters to make it sound like a five-year-old made it up? Yeah. Give us your Hunger Games name. Yeah. Are you going to go my way? <laughs> I was trying to drop in something about are you going to go my way the whole episode and I couldn't find the right moment. Ah, oh, well, you, you, you snuck it in, snuck it in. Uh, big big love to Lenny Kravitz. We love you, Lenny. All right, and now it's time for me to go my way and go to bed. <laughs> Alrighty then. All right, we'll be back next week to talk about Pretty and Pink. <laughs> Bye-bye. All right, Bye. When the moon hits your eye Like a bigger pizza pie That's amore When the world seems to shine Like you've had too much wine That's amore